0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram and I hope you enjoy this episode. And Rav Moshe was able to build what he felt was a solid case, buttressed by the Rishonim and Samachronim about how we treat shuls today in general to allow the blind person in with his dog. Last week I emphasized the fact that he didn't want to tell this person that he should wait for people to help him. That he should have the ability to do that. And as I said last week, Ein, Rav Moshe writes, Ein lanu shasatcha godol mizeh. This is clearly a Shasat HaGogol. natirenu yizbato kol yomov mitefilo betzibur if we don't let him into the shul, what's going to happen to him? He's going to not be able to go to shul. He won't be able to hear the Torah reading. And therefore, that is not a life for this person. And he says, if this is a person who needs his dog with him, he should be able to go into shul to daven to hear Kriya's HaTorah. Now he does say, try to get a seat not near the exit, near the door exit. But Tov, he doesn't say if, if he paid for a seat, like it wasn't the case with Rev Salvechik, the case that Rev Salvechik dealt with in Boston where there was a certain paid seat, maybe that would have had to have been the person's seat. Okay. Rav Moshe says, definitely are shuls in Eretz it might be a suffolk, he's not sure. But definitely a shul in Elizabeth, which is where the question came from, there he said, it's not a problem. And as he said, it's a Raya Brura. Okay. As I mentioned last week, the Rev of Zurich, Rev Yaakov, um came out very strong against this Chuva. And I mentioned last week that part of what Rav Reich said was, Look, there's other things we can do to help this man. The man could have friends take him to shul. The man could arrange in advance. And last week, I stressed the fact that Ramosha wanted to uh, underscore. Ramosha did underscore by giving the Hector how important it is that people should have independence and not rely on other people. People who have a handicap shouldn't be forced to come on to others. And that is, oh, that's the, the point I ended with last week. But Rav Breish has another series of arguments against Rav Moshe here. And I want to use those to expand into a bigger topic, which this tshuva is an example of. There's another tshuva from Rav Moshe, which is another example of, also attacked by Rav Breish. And I'd like to be able to take this back in time, once we go from the the mid-20th century, Back into the 12th century, so you'll see what I, how I'm going to do this, and I hope I, I will be successful in that. Mid 20th century, Breish on the attack. So he says, first of all, he says this is a sock that's Tzemuo or Rabin. When you come up with a heter that Most people wouldn't have given. You need to explain yourself. That's halacha in Hilchas Talmud Torah. A psak that you even know you think it's right, but you know is going to make waves, you got to be careful in making such a psak. And he says, especially, livnos migdol, what you've done is based on your chiddush, you've built a tower. Al-Yisod R'uwa. So I'm not going to get into the disagreement about the Yerushalmi, whether the Yerushalmi proves it or not. I'm not going to get into how Rav Brish sort of criticizes Rav Moshe that he doesn't understand what's going on in the Hasidic shuls where they're eating and drinking in shul, because he says it's different. It's a base matter, not a base aknesis. It's this part that has a, a bigger relevance outside of this question. Let's read Rev B'raish one more time. The main reason I'm against this psaq, of letting this man in with the dog, the daven, bimekomos halolu. That's you and me, Rav Meisha. Me in Switzerland, you in America. Shefkei kach matsuya. That's what, everything is free. It's a free-for-all. Viados, kach nisrofafa. 1950s, 60s America, Judaism was still weak. <laughs> Maybe today too. V'rabenim anoshem There's so many Jews who are Shachtsonim show-offs, uh, uh, um, fafs, <laughs> people who who are uh who are out there how holgenim kalbeia and beroskol goed zo with with no embarrassment they walk out in public with everywhere walking their dogs af shaap p afa shaap din afshe shame ze begonnen ashim from rubegal asakav maybe they're not if they're not being over the issue we talked about 2 weeks ago but still It's not Regish Yadus Amitis. That's not the spirit of true Judaism. Ain't ze Yadus Amitis. That's not what real Judaism is, walking around with your dog, to, to, to walk in the street with dogs with you as your pets. Who does that? Anoshim Shachsanim Osem Okay. And he says, maybe if you see a donkey, a one-time deal, that the donkey's here, you realize why the donkey is here. You're not worried about what this is going to lead to, that the other guy's going to eat in a donkey. But when you see the dog in shul, there's Marisian. Why? Because whose dog is that? Is that, uh, is that Mr. Schwartz, the guy who's uh, president of the shul? Is that his? You're not going to know what's the blind guy's dog. You're going to think the dogs and guys This is, of course, very silly because the 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 seeing eye dogs were totally different. But look what he's worried about. He's worried about what this is going to lead to. And then he says, especially Barabbim, people don't know what's going on in a crowd. People don't know. People don't know whose dog it is. People are going to make assumptions, and therefore. Everyone's going to say, yeah, I can bring animals in shul. Yeah, I can bring a dog too. I don't want to leave my dog at home. My dog is nervous, left at home. I brought my dog to show. So Leon is saying literally, this is going to stop. Again, according to Rabbi Breish, um he feels we can make other arrangements, but he feels there's a big societal issue here. He feels Rav Moshe is opening the door to a uh, to a breakdown. That this is going to cause a breakdown. He says we're well, anyway in America where people are are, are just itching to not be religious. And therefore when they see the shul, which is the place that it's supposed to be a model of good behavior, they're going to see this. They're going to say, yeah, I'm going to bring my dog. And he says, we see how Judaism is so weak and especially in your places in, you, in Elizabeth where that psaq was, in Zurich, if we open up even the smallest amount, mechat shel sadakit, the size of, of a needle Making a little crack. It's gonna open up. People are going to assume more. They're gonna find some rabbi. You see that? They're gonna find, not Rav Moshe Feinstein. They're gonna find some guy who went to a, some, uh, seminary, got his diploma, And that rabbi is going to say, look what Ramosha Weinstein wrote. In other words, Ramosha Weinstein, who America is already putting, realizing, is the posik of America, the parush, the roshashiva mesifti roshavayim, Oh, so I'm the rabbi in the boondocks. Yeah, we're not so from here. We're modern Orthodox. Uh, it's like the Skokie yeshiva versions that they had where the shuls were um uh, traditional, where they, but they were so with Orthodox rabbis. That's the type of rabbi he's talking about, Rabbi Reich. So he's going to say, well, I'm going to tell you for what our community is at Zerokodal. And there, what's going to happen is what's going to be in that shoal in, in, in Paducah, in Des Moines, in Kansas City. What's going to happen in that shoal is there's going to be dogs coming into shoals, and therefore it's going to be a chilo Hashem Godel. Here comes the point. The Christians don't allow dogs. Even seeing eye dogs into their churches. Now, one of the uh, connections I'm going to make here today, I hope to get to, was based on an article written in the um, by Rabbi Chaim Jackter, uh and he did some research on this, and he discovered it's in last week's email. I attached it as a as a place for you to look that he called um, a number of uh, uh, Catholic uh, churches and uh, institutions. He checked with uh, the Association for the Blind, and he believes Rabbi Breisch was incorrect here, that the churches do allow uh, seeing-eye dogs. But let's, for example, let's just pretend that Rabbi Breisch is correct. That the church, in the church sense of what should be proper religious behavior, proper synagogue behavior, was no animals allowed. And if the person's coming, it's not allowed in the sanctuary. You have to keep your dog outside. And then one of the uh, trustees, the sexton, comes and helps you to your seat. Let's say that is the way it was done in the churches. That was Rav Bresch's assumption. Therefore, he says, look what this means. In the church, this is bad, but this is considered improper behavior for, this, for, for the building. And the Jews allowed it. And then he quotes the Mogen Avram. The Mogen Avram talks about the fact that there's a, on, Shabb, on Shabbos, there's something called Kablanut. Kablanut means that you don't hire the person by the hour, you hire the person by the job. Right? A contractor is mostly hired by the job. If you're paying by the hour, it would cost too much. That was the case in the time of Chazal too. If you have a non-Jewish contractor to do a job for you, and he's coming on Shabbos, so the halacha is, if it's the type of work that we know is done b'kablanut, he could come to your house on Shabbos and work at your house. You don't have to, you don't have to fend them off your property. And the reason is, is because the people around you, the other Jews know, because they probably have contractors themselves. They know you didn't call this guy and tell him to work on Shabbos. Now you might say to him, I'd rather you didn't come. But if he, if that's his schedule, and part of his schedule is to come and do the work on Shabbos, if it's the type of thing that we don't believe, like a plumber, you might have called him that day. But if it's the type of big job, an addition, an extension, that you know is contracted for, and it isn't necessarily meant to be done, and it's not like you picked up the phone and called the guy to come today, or you found the guy in the street and asked him to come today, so we're not choshish that the guy is working for you specifically on Shabbos. He's working for his own sake, even though he's working on your property on Shabbos. So now, what about a shul that needs to be built? And the contractors that are building the shul are non-Jews. What's the halacha? Can they, again, the shul, meanwhile, they're meeting in some storefront someplace, or they're meeting in the back with all the, right, where all the but the, the construction is happening. Can they come on Shabbos? So the Moganavram says, Godoim Lo The Godoim don't want to allow it. Why? Not because of the Jews. And the churches on Sunday, they wouldn't allow the social hall to be built up more. They wouldn't allow the painters in. This is the Lord's day. No work is done. <laughs> Even if it will be a Jewish uh, Kablan, they don't allow any work to be done on their premises, on their Sabbath. So therefore, it's a Chilu Hashem, the, r- 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 the Mogan Avram writes. That's what the Gedolim say. See, that's the connection here too. Alpi you'd be allowed to have the shul built. You didn't tell the guy to do it. The guy's doing it for his own sake. But it's a hill of Hashem that the Christians are going to say, look what they're doing over there down the street. It's, that's, I guess they wouldn't talk like that. But the point is, yes, look at them down the street. Can you believe that? It's their Sabbath. And here they are. They're working there. They have, even though it's non-Jewish people working, but what's going on? Don't they keep the Sabbath? They are keeping the shabbos, but not in the Christians' eyes. So this is Rav Bresh's question against Rav Mesha. If the Christians wouldn't, if the Christians would call that a zilzul in the base we've got to call it that. Otherwise, it's a chilu Hashem. He quotes the So Sofer. He quotes Rashi, and therefore he says that. he says that we have so many amaratsim, etc etc and therefore he says me shahu he says he lo dai sheinu we can't stop the people from doing averos we can't stop the people from being mekel Nifrotz spots should we the rabbis ourselves issue a psak that breaks open things that no one that hasn't been allowed up until now if you really are scared about paskining, and, and you take paskining seriously, you have to think, every psak is so important, what's the effect of it? Look at your own introduction to that edition in 1959, where you speak about what does it mean to be a posseg and how careful you have to be. So I'm going to tell you, Rav Moshe, (laughs) you should be careful with your own words, (laughs) because you yourself know how important it is. So I want to zero in on this Chilo Hashem part, because the dog in the shul Became a much there became a much bigger issue, a number of years later. And that was the Shiloh about artificial insemination. Uh, Rav Moshe, um, and it was sometime in the fifties. I don't have the tshuva in front of me. The truva came out in the early 1960s in the Cheiluk Evin Ezer, where Rav Moshe was matir bishas hachak for a woman in New York to be able to go to a fertility clinic and to be able to be artificially inseminated in order for her to be able to have children. Because seemingly the motility of her husband was not there They'd already checked that. And now she at least would be able to bear a child. And this way she could have a child. This Psach, believe me, the dog Psach had had some rumblings from Ravraj, from Ravanachem Kasher, from others. Papa Cherebbe, by the way, uh was supportive of the psak, And I can show you that at a different time. But this talk about artificial insemination, the Hasidic world marshaled an attack, a campaign, she'ein Kamoyo on Rav Meisha, about this. And you can see Rav Brish was one of the people who attacked him, but you'll see what Rav Brish writes. Because Rav Moshe, there was actually two chuvas. Rav Moshe gave the first psak, and then he defended himself in a second psak. So there was two psaq the original psak, and then he defended himself against the Satmarov. Satmarov was the main attacker. The Bavavarev, the Satmarov. Rav Bresh is coming into it after, as the the argument is still sort of steaming in a way. but It's sort of settled, but Rav Bresh is still there to stoke the flames here. He says, no, Sheila, it was not the husband's sperm. It was the sperm of a non-Jew. But Rav Moshe felt that that is not considered an act of sex. That's not considered like the Satmarov and others felt that accepting the seed of a non-Jew is tantamount to sexual relations with a non-Jew. And especially if it might be a Jew. Rav felt a mamzer is dependent on a sexual contact, not a biological insemination. What makes a child a mamzer is the product of a bias iser, of an illicit sexual union. That has that one of the byproducts or of that sexual union is that it leads to procreation, but if procreation can be Leapfrogged by a non sexual manner. That's not a bias, Rav Ravmesha says. And therefore, the woman is not engaged in illegal sexual behavior at all. So it doesn't have to be her husband, as he says. I'll show you what Ravmesha says. The women are very, they want to have children. It's fertility anguish. If it's a guy, and Ravmesha said, even Stam Zera, most seed in the sperm banks are Goyim. Who do you think are the ones who go into the sperm banks? Goyim. New York is mostly non-Jews anyway. The country is. Don't look at New York specifically. Look at the whole country of America. And definitely, who would be the who would who would be contributing to the sperm bank to get the fifty bucks or whatever it is? It wouldn't be a Jew. We don't think Jews would be doing that. The only ones are Jews that aren't keeping Torah. So basically, we're not talking about we're talking about a percentage of Jews, maybe, and most of the people in the in, in, in the in the country are non-Jews. So therefore, most of the people are a goyim. It's better to find out it's definitely a Guy. and you don't have to worry that maybe he's going to marry his sister, <laughs> because. In other words, he might marry his half sister. That's not going to happen because, as far as a goy goes, a goy doesn't have yichus. That's Rav Moshe's, in a nutshell, Rav Moshe's hetter. Let's see how Rav Brish, when he read it, he says, "How could he be mad? Such a disgusting thing! Look where he starts with. Do you see the similarity?" And I, again, I thank. Uh, Rabbi Jackter, for pointing out how Brish is, is, is pretty consistent. Shagama <speaking in Hebrew> katolim, even the Catholics, Vomdim <speaking in> Beroshom, <Hebrew> that's the Pope. Yotsu B'tokef owes Begili Daswa Asr Ke'elu. The Catholics have said that they are against artificial insemination, and they consider it like adultery, and we should consider it Domen Wamaisa Eretz Mitzrayim, Makanan B'tov so this is like Eretz Mitzrayim and the Toevos of Mitzrayim. We are the Amonivchar. We're the one that got Torah from God. We're going to allow something that the Catholics have come out so strong against? Ein and take a look how terrible chilul Hashem is. The Gemara and Yuma talks about the Amaroyim. How terrible it was. How nizar they were in chilul Hashem. And how chilul Hashem you can't get kapara from Yim Kippur. Rav Moshe. You're allowing this chilul Hashem to happen. That's but we, you're right. We don't pass them by the Pope, and you see, Shiva. This is again the similar argument. If in, the, if in the churches, the dogs aren't allowed, how can we allow them in our place? If, if their religion is telling us, is telling their communities, do not deal with childlessness, but do not submit to this new uh, approach because it's considered uh, immoral, that we shouldn't do that. And then he brings Araya from the Gemara. The Gemara says that, that if a Ger tzedek becomes a Jew, we don't allow him to have relations with his, and, and let's say his relatives also uh, convert. We don't allow him to have relations with them, even though technically it's like they start, they have a, a, a clean slate. And part of that is we don't want him to think that he came from, oh, uh, over there, I couldn't have relations with these relatives, and now I can't. Now, that to him is, an, is a precedent that we don't want to give that impression, even though halachically there's nothing wrong with these women. But Chazal say, stay away. We don't want to let the Ger marry them. So you see how we don't want to give that impression that Judaism is somehow lax and becoming a Jew, you somehow have things that when you were a non-Jew were usher. Now it's mutter, now that you're a Jew. Now, you might want to say that the Gemara there is only talking about what was usher to him as a non-Jew. It's those relatives he can't have relations with. But he says here too. de didan. He's going to get into the Isra later, Shila. His and he has a, 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 a multi-page attack. But the one he starts with is the one that we saw before in the other tshuva. And he's but Bill. He wants to build the case that even if Rav Meisha is right, he's wrong. He's going to show that he's wrong. But he's going to say, he's, Chil Hashem, he says, in other words, he wants to put, Chil Hashem was the first thing that he started with. Then he has layers and layers of argument about the technical details of, 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 and the halacha about what is immoral, what is called sexual behavior, what's not. And that that I'm not going to go into because, again, I'm I'm trying to create this bigger picture here. And and he says that even if you want to say, in, in our case, even a non-Jew, even if we were like living in a world where we were controlling the non-Jews, we would tell the non-Jews they shouldn't be doing this. Why? Because look at the Rambam. The Rambam says, In other words, so this it sounds like lesbianism. That women who are having fun with each other, that's usr. And that's what the Torah wrote in Parshas Achrimos. That's like Misa Eretz Mitzrayim. But there's no makos. What does it mean, misololos? What does it mean like they're having fun with each other? So, without getting too graphic, the Rishonim say, based on Rashi, solos means that they actually have sex with their husbands and then they take... they they extract out of themselves the seed that their husband gave them and put it into other women. That's the way they're sort of acting like they're having sex with each other. Using Zerah of other men. So isn't that, that's like artificial insemination. So you see that's called and Mitzrayim. And that's called Arias for them. And that's also usher to the Ben noach. So it isn't like yeah, the Ben Noach also holds its Osir. So therefore, really, if we could tell the Ben he says, we would tell the Ben Noach what they're doing is Osir, taking Zara from other, uh, other people. And therefore, since the Catholics did really say it's Osir, because they called it Znus, so therefore, first of all, it's Osir based on Mysa Eretz Mitzrayim that we also have. But there's chilul Hashem if we allow it, and they're and they're going to say, look, look, Jews they have a more Torah, they do more. No, they're allowing they're allowing more, and therefore you can't matir with chilul Hashem, which is so chomer with svarus ba'alma. You came up with svarus, Rav Moshe. You invented this principle, of Moshe Feinstein. That's a svarah. You can't use svar against chilul Hashem. And then he quotes the safra Mavur Vehedya that there's that there's sha'akum osrim, that we have to asr things that the Goy says is Asr, even though our halacha would say it's not Asr, and what the Ben Noach is doing isn't Asr to even them. But if they say it's Asr, we have to, we have to we can't eat it. And he quotes the Sefer Achasidim. So let me show you that Sefer Achasidim that he's quoting. You can see it right here. I want to read it to you completely. So this is one of his sources that when there's a Chilu HaShem involved, even though it's Mutra Alpi HaLacha, we need to cave in and we cannot allow it, even though straight HaLacha says it's allowed. Let's take a look. What is the Sefer Achasidim? It's a collection of... uh, We've been talking about it on our halachas here at night. It was written by Rabbi Yehuda Chosid, but it represents really a group of what's called Hasidai Ashkenaz. These were people that were um, known as pietists. They were known as holy men. And they had Hanhogos and Halachos all sort of mixed together in this book. Some of it is straight law, Many things in the Sefer hasidim people are careful to keep. Other things are an interesting curiosity. Uh, the great scholar Chaim Salveitchik, Rabbi Yashu son, wrote uh, a very important essay on the Sefer hasidim and, and what it means and, and things that can be extracted from it. So it's a, it's a book from the Rishonim, but it's not necessarily a halachically binding book. Let's see. Don't allow a child to take for his hands, it's a very good Corona advice, right? From the plate that everyone's eating. They haven't washed their hands correctly before they started eating. Maybe, what's going to happen? They're going to eat together with the adults. And what's going to happen? And they're going to say, oh, this is disgusting. Look what that kid's got in his hand. He's got that worm. He's got that mucus. No one's going to want to eat. So tell the kid when you train him, okay, we've got this big family chilling thing where everybody sticks their hands in, whatever it is right this big whatever it is fruit salad eating with your hands right in the time of remember it's the time of the same and they didn't have forks and knives (laughs) make sure that they that they don't let we don't want the kid here now taking with his hand if you have someone who works for you or if your kid has got some teacher around that you've got if Maybe there's someone staying in your house. You're too busy setting the table. You're too busy at work. But you've got someone else in the house that can be sort of like the overseer for the kid. Yeah, I know love. That That person should take care of the child. Make sure that what? That they're not their nose is not runny with stuff all around their nose. Or some other, like you know, stuff that's considered dirt. And they are embarrassed to tell him. Maybe they're not embarrassed to tell the teacher or whatever. Maybe daddy is there scared. But anyway, or, or the opposite. Maybe the people at the house, it's disgusting to them and they don't want to tell you. So this way, keep your kids clean so everybody is not retching or feeling disgusted about the lack of um, hygiene that your children are showing. Okay. In the same paragraph, what does he say? If there's something the Goyim say is usr, and for the Jews, it's not Oser. The Jew can't eat it. And he says the reason is pen is shem shamayim al It'll be The goyim don't eat it, but we eat it. It's going to be khilo that we're eating it. Kigon Nochri Shero shenochri Khavera Rava Behema. Okay. We started very powerful today with seeing eye dogs. We went into artificial insemination, talked a little bit about lesbianism. <laughs> Again, I'm laughing because I guess you weren't expecting, but here's the next part. bestiality, Okay? So so here's bestiality. Let's say, um, you know, just use right one non Jew. Let's let's I don't want to use names here, but okay. Mutt saw Jeff. (laughs) Mutt would be the wrong thing. But anyway, Mutt saw Jeff doing what? Having sex with an animal, so mutt goes and tells everybody that animal, that cow, that that goat, you know what that sheep, right? Mutt was having relations with that sheep, right? Gene Wilder, remember, in uh, way back when, right? So anyway. The point is, is that that's what Mutt saw Jeff doing. So Mutt tells everybody, and therefore they don't eat it. Everyone says, oh, we can't eat that sheep. Oh, stay away from it. Yeah, Mutt said Jeff was having his jollies with it. And then they sell the sheep to a Jew. Lo Yochlana Yisrael, the Jews shouldn't eat it. Now, al pi the animal is allowed to be eaten. Why? First of all, in order for an animal, an animal that has had sex with a human is killed, but there needs to be testimony, there needs to be a Sanhedrin of 23 to kill that animal. And the Sanhedrin has to hear testimony, and after it hears the testimony, the Sanhedrin has to paskin a czar din misa on the animal. That's a paskin parshas mishpatem, kamisas kach kachmisas ashur. So the animal is put to death with the same stringencies as a person. It's because the animal has a death sentence on it, you can't save that animal and slaughter it and eat it. It's usur bahanah to eat because of the death sentence, but not because the act occurred. The fact that the guy that mutt had his jollies with it, or Mordechai would have his jollies with it. That wouldn't be enough to make the animal user. What makes the animal osur is the gzar din, the psak din, that the animal needs to be killed because of that bestiality. So the animal, even though, in the if you would have edus, perhaps in the base amitosh, it wouldn't be allowed as a korban because there's this more chumra being allowed as a korban in the base Technically, that animal is halachically allowed to be eaten that you are allowed to eat such an animal. There's no Easter. But the non-Jews say it's Osir, in this case. The non-Jews say it's also and they won't eat it. It'll be Chil Hashem if we eat it. So now, that is Rav Moshe's proof, Rav Risha's proof. That's similar to what Rav Moshe said. Maybe you're right, Rav Moshe but if the Catholics say it's considered adultery, how can we allow it? He said, the governor of Mayor Arik wrote notes on the Sefer HaChsidim. And he said, take a look at what it says in the Mesechtas Kusim, it's one of the small Mesechtas, that we don't sell shlil anymore. Shlil is the innards of an animal that it has a bunch of eggs and stuff attached to it. So, halakhically, that's a part of the, the animal that you're allowed to eat. But, the, the, the kusim, who weren't keeping Torah, uh, didn't eat that. They thought that was, uh, it's like eating Avermanachai to them. It's like eating a live portion of the animal. It's like, gra- eating a piece of flesh off of the animal. So because of that, we don't sell it because we don't want to be uh, accused of doing something. All right. Um, and then he quotes a Pesach. Ki ata, because you're holy. What does that mean, you're holy? Lotase am acher Mimcha. We've got to be the holiest. We can't allow another nation to be holier than us. We've got to set the standards for what Kedusha is. All right. Ubishole Meshiv, that is from Rabbi Yosef Shol not Tazen. Madura Dawid, would Gimel, Yud. Pirish free Sifri, for a Simon Clef There's a Sifre that he explains to mean. What we're just talking about—that we've got to be the frumest on the block, we've got to be more machmer than the non-Jews if they have something. Here's the sifrei. The Sifre is on this pasuk in Dvarim. Okay. What does kol mean? Even a tray for you can't eat. Who should you give it to? Give it to the to the person who keeps Sheva Mitzvot, the stranger, the resident stranger, as you can see. What about for a non-Jew? Nah, you can sell it to him, you can give it to him. Question whether you have to sell it, do you have to make money off it, or are they both equal? The non-Jew, who happens to be passing through, but this is the idea, you can sell a Nevela or a Trefa, or you can give it to a Gertoshib to eat. The, then the Sifrei, Quotes the end of the pasuk. Kodesh Atol Hashem Kadesh Atzmacha Make yourself holy with things that you're that you're allowed to do. The Ramban, of course, quotes quotes this in the beginning of uh, Parshas Kiddushin. So Torah's in there. Make yourself holy with things that are allowed to you. Dvarim Mutarim. Things that are mutar. The nogobem and others say they're aser. You cannot be moderate in front of them. That's what it means. Ki am kadosh Okay, that's the It Was talking about not eating treif, but then it said that's mutter, and other people say they're aser. You can't be moderate. Now, before Rav Yosef Shol got into the picture, I assume what this means is, you come to a city, you know it's mutter, they think it's sir. you can't openly, you're not from this city, you can't openly say, yeah, I know this is not, I eat Velveeta cheese, I know there's no problem with it. And, you know, over there they've accepted, no, that that cheese is sir. You can't do that in front of them. You need to sometimes not throw, throw it into the face of people that you have a different sheet than a But Rabbi Yosef Shaw wants to learn that this is going on who? The achayrim here is going on the non-Jews. That something that's mutter and achayrim, meaning the non-Jews say is also, oh, you can't, in front of them, you have to worry about chilul Hashem. Which means, we're the Am Kaddosh, we cannot be knowing a noegaheter, what they call as Oser. So that, according to him, Rav Bresh has found the Sefer Sidim, the Sifrei, right? Um, the Meseftus Kusim, whatever that was quoted, saying that we can't do things that the non-Jewish world says is Oser. Definitely not in front of them. And then he quotes the same Mogan Avram that he quoted by that he wrote that he wrote to him about the dog. He quotes the same Chassam Sofer, and he says even if you'd have a heter So, Jackter is right. (laughs) It's almost the same argument. Rav Moshe did not respond to the dog issue. At least we don't have a tshuva about it. But Rav Moshe does respond to this one. And Rav Braish credit Rav Moshe. Rav, Bre- Rav Moshe does respond to it. And, and credit Rav Breish that he prints Rav Moshe's tshuva with his own notes against it. Rav Moshe wrote this in 1965, maybe 64. And this is Ramosha's, and remember how Rav Reisch has treated him. <laughs> Rav has, has really come down hard on Ramosha. Even though he called him a great posse, he called him this. Rav Moshe says, Yedidi, i Nagoro, a Kvot Shmo He says, I got your letter. He had a lot of complaints against me. I got it two weeks ago. But Mitsara Atir I've been very busy. I didn't answer it right away like maybe I should have, like I do sometimes. Because first of all, again, it's a tempest in a teapot, first of all, the artificial insemination issue. Because it doesn't happen so often. It doesn't really happen that often. I didn't think that I needed to answer so quickly. Now, it's not like, oh, are we going to let the woman go or not to let them go to the to the to the to the fertility clinic? It's not like, oh, there's these women are lining up. It's not like, oh, we better answer otherwise. Now, you needed me to to explain myself. You have argument and I need to defend myself. I didn't see that I really had to do it that it's so important. <laughs> in other words, it's more like, let's talk and learning. You saw what I wrote. Again, he's, he's, Rav Moshe's whole paragraph here is in a way um, uh, downplaying uh piercing the balloon of intensity that that Rav has okay you want to talk and learning okay but okay I, I, I it took me 2 weeks i'm ready to talk with you learning and you know what i'm going to do uh, each point i'm going to divide into paragraphs okay I, I i pray to god that i write the right thing So you, you quoted the sefer hasidim you think the sefer hasidim means anything that a non jew says is usher to eat from his religion or whatever it is, we don't eat. How can you think that? You think everything a non-Jew eats based on his belief, which was in those days, or other ridiculous thing. You think Jews now, because we live among them, have to stop eating those things? What about Mitzrayim? Mitzrayim, they didn't eat meat. They didn't eat animals. They didn't eat sheep. They didn't eat cows. It's all silly to us. So you think we, if we lived there today, we wouldn't be able to eat it? In fact, if we would stop eating it because they're eating it, that's almost like we're giving in their their avodah zara. And even if it's not it's definitely avodah zara, it's definitely something that has no logical reason behind it. It's darkei amori. And uh, it's only them, right? So you think that's what the Sefer Chassidah meant? He says you got to look at the whole paragraph. Remember the whole paragraph—the kid with the snot nose. Remember that. It's all about what they consider disgusting. Like what? Because the Gemara says a guy is very careful about Nikius. Non-Jews are more careful, very careful about getting smudges, even if it's not Osir because of baltashatsu. So, they're very careful about what they would do. We're a little bit earthier. <laughs> but usr leecho, l- l- that we can't eat, because it's also meus, meus is something that's usr. So, in other words, what he's talking about is something that is considered meus. Meus is something which the society can determine. So, therefore... You know, seeing the snot on the kid, seeing the worms on the dirt on the kid's hands, maybe it's pretty healthy for you, those worms. I don't know. (laughs) You know, Timon and Pumbaa would eat them. But it's disgusting when a person sees that. And it's maybe tea too. It's also for sure. So therefore, it's the disgust that people have from them, and that's why we should stay away from that. And he says, take a look. What's, he says, look what else is written there. It's all about things that are meus. Now, you mention of Mayor Arik, who quotes Masech Kusim. You know why? Because when we talk about eating the shalil, when we talk about eating that, that the, those innards where the eggs are, whatever it is, those are dvar ma'usim. Those are disgusting things. They look disgusting. Now, he says, anyway, I'm not even sure if he has arrived from there. Uh, The shlil is the shulia. Okay, I I said it wrong. I said the eggs. The shlil is actually the placenta. And the Gemara Nachulan says that people ate placentas. And when I looked at Masechtas Kusim, it seemed to be talking about that that you might be selling something he doesn't want to buy. It might be Gnevis Das, and even if he's a guy, it's an, of, a, of an Isra. Anyway, the point though is, it's about things that are disgusting. Um, and that's really what the Sefer Hasidim is talking about. And therefore, he says, even the Sholomashah that you quoted, the Sholomashah quoted about the Sifrei, remember? Things that they say are us, we can't make mutter. It must be, if that's what it meant, it must be we're talking about things they don't eat because they consider it aesthetically disgusting. And the truth is, I looked up the Shalomeshim, Vermeisha said. And that was only what he wanted to say. He was thinking that that's the shot in the Sifra, and it is an inventive interpretation. But if you look through the sim and you'll see that's not what it means, and that the Shalomeshim himself retracted his interpretation. Because normally what it means is that, like I said before, when you go to a certain place and people have a certain minig you don't openly change their minig But even if you want to say that's what it really means, it could only mean things that are disgusting for the non-Jews, not things that are us or because of their religion. What I am talking about, allowing artificial insemination, is not about um, is not about something disgusting. Why does the non? Why does the Pope say you can't do it? Not because it's a disgusting thing. Not because the the, the action that occurs is, is is disgusting. Why? Because they think. What does "znuṣ" mean? What does sexual inappropriate behavior mean? What is illicit moral sexual behavior mean in the non-Jewish mind? It means it's the means of creating a child. The whole idea of 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 ossering of, of illicit sexual behavior is because what it leads to in terms of not knowing parent parentage, not knowing who is the um, patrimony, and not to produce children through it. Not to produce children from another man. That is their perspective. They, it's not the znus that bothers them. It's not the sexual act that bothers them. Let's think about someone who can't have children. Let's say Zekaina, an Akara. Right? We know even a, a woman who can't have children even a woman who's, who's barren even a woman who, who's not old enough to have children a woman who halakhically she's is an islandess we put the same issue on them that's because we take a look at what is the avera, the sexual act so therefore we don't have this by us we have a different perception of what's considered usser And you can't say, well, the Goyim consider it Osir. That's not what the Torah considers Osir. That's the opposite of the Torah. So therefore, it's not like a disgusting thing. There's a a philosophical religious debate about what's considered illicit sexual act. We, based on all of Moshe's proofs, know what it is. They don't have that subtlety. And to them, it's all about... The child. But we don't have to out to them. It's against what the Torah says. So that's Rav Moshe's defense about this. So, in other words, Ramosha feels that he doesn't even respond about the Mogan Avram and about the other things about the Chilu Hashem because he doesn't believe that there's any connection to Chilu Hashem here. Um, Rav Bresh has his notes here where he says, he says, how can you say it's not disgusting? Is there anything more disgusting than this, than to do something like that? He says, um, the Goyim say it's us, sir, and they don't come up and come up with a cell with themselves, with these svaris that you have, that there's no chil Hashem. He says, isn't there a... Uh, isn't it a chilu Hashem? It's disgusting, and it's a chilu etc. And then he disagrees with, with his interpretation of the Sefer Okay. So, I believe that this issue has a lot of ramifications of, of how we passkin and what we have to be looking over our shoulders for what we allow, what we say. So, I believe for next time, I will show you the precedent for this going back to the Rambam himself, the other Moshe. And you'll see how the Rambam himself was under pressure uh, uh, from what was happening in the Muslim world that he allowed and that he acted upon and how pressure was brought on him. And also, by the Muslims criticizing Jewish services and how the Rambam changed Jewish services because of Chilo Hashem. We're going to talk about that in the next, uh, Chubis and Postkem episode. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of New Work at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.